to the John Curley and Sherry Ellicker Show. I am the honored, honored Spike O'Neill, sitting in for John Curley. Uh, good afternoon, Sherry. Hello there, Spike. I'm so glad you're here today. I know John's a little bit under the weather. We may hear from him in a bit, um, but uh, it's good to have you. I, I appreciate the chance to sit with you and your audience. Uh, I'm a fan of the show. I know what's expected of me. I, I, I quit drinking. That makes one I, of us. I quit drinking about 45 minutes ago. Okay, good. Should good, be all, all you know, sunshine and lollipops from here on out. So I understand that we were going to try to connect with John to see how he's feeling, but uh, so far we haven't been able to raise him on on the horn. That's that's correct. Um, we were hoping to do it at the top of the show, but uh, I, I just gave him a call and he has not uh, picked up. So we will try to reach him. You know, again, if he's not feeling well, perhaps he's taking a nap or something. It goes without saying. Anytime that phone rings, Andrew. Anytime <laughs> when the bat phone rings, we will answer the John Curley hotline call. Um, can we do a wellness check on him? Can we send somebody over there? I mean, do, should, at, at, at what hour? At what hour do we worry <laughs> sure. about the national treasure that is John I, Curley? I, I, I'm not worried yet. I, I think he's fine. Um, I, I feel so bad for him. I I know he worked Friday, right? He worked uh, one of his events. Yes, yeah. he did, and I spoke to him today, and he doesn't sound good. He's got a cough, and I said, oh. he said, I have COVID, and I said, How do you know you had COVID, have COVID? Did you take a test? He said, No. And I said, do you have a test? Yes. And I said, well, why don't you take the test? He goes, well, what for? Why am I even taking the test? And I said, to, to keep your tally going, because you're on number three now right. as far as COVID if goes. If you get seven, yeah. you get what? Free health care for life with the Biden administration something put together, like right? That. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Pop Fill that something. COVID punch card up, John. And uh, he thinks, of course, I'm just trying to, to be superior because I have, knock on wood, not gotten it yet. <laughs> have, you, so, have, you, have, you, have you never contracted no, COVID? No, no. Wow. Nothing. So, um, so anyway, so I said, Hey, how about this? You come on the air. You'll take the, the test live on the air. We'll all find out together. We'll be here for you. And whatever the outcome is, we'll walk together doing it. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, Great. I'll do it. And now he's MIA. It'd be, so. it'd be like the Maury Povich show, you know? We'll find <laughs> out what, you know, we'll get the goddamn results right here in this envelope right after the commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll find out if he's got COVID or if he's the father of some woman's baby that we didn't know about. <laughs> well, uh, uh, all kidding aside, I know how hard John works. And all you guys, I know how hard you work. And I know that when John flies across the country to raise money for very worthwhile causes, he, he puts himself at risk. He does. I mean, he is the sacrificial lambda, lambda, lambda uh, out there all across the country. So I, I hope he feels better. I wish him well. I hope it's not COVID, but I, I will say this. I know that currently the flu and the common cold are are actually affecting people more severely than COVID is right now. Yeah, it really it's a little bit hard to predict what's going to get you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I know people that have had COVID and they didn't even know they had it yep. and then they took a test like 3 days later and like, "Oh, well, look oh, at wow, that." Oh, look at that. Yeah. And then other people have gotten it and they're deathly sick and they still stay st sick for months so it is something i think we need to be have a you know healthy amount of respect for absolutely because it, it can really take you down uh, the but, thing, and thing about covid is too there are there are lingering effects that we don't know or understand yet that's as, as, with a common cold we know we get it we get through it it's tough but we move on with covid this is it when viruses mutate and keep devolving we don't know what we're looking at for, for quite a while for some folks. Well, the other thing I'm a little bit worried about is because I, I my last vaccine was, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Okay. And I, since I haven't had it, I have no antibodies, nothing. 
I've I've had it twice. Oh, really? Wow. I tested positive for COVID twice. But both, I will say, both were late in the the COVID pandemic. My brother had it very early in the pandemic. He was a guy who, you know, um, exercised his own self-will. He's a guy who didn't believe a lot of the a lot of the hype that's been misproven in hindsight, and he caught COVID early, and he's got lingering respiratory and coronary issues from long COVID. Uh, uh, my uncle's uh, stepdaughter also uh, is right now um, at um, what's the big um, Tennessee hospital um, Vanderbilt. Oh wow! Because of heart damage that was from done COVID. From COVID, yeah. yeah. So it, it again, it's still you know, it's still a, a dangerous uh, virus. It's not something we take lightly, and, and that we say that because we do wish John the very, very yes, best and a speedy course. recovery. I can't work triples all week, guys. <laughs> and I know. Come on, John. Come on, John. <laughs> and again, not to make uh, light of light of it, uh, uh, but Jack, I think was was willing to bet. Five dollars on uh, over. John having to have COVID. COVID. Yeah, yeah. Is, are you <laughs> at, at all interested in taking the other side of that bet, Sherry? So he. So I don't understand over under. So what well, does that over under is not a good analogy for yeah, this yeah. one. Um, oh. So I, I, for me, it was this will be John's third COVID yes. exposure? If, if so, so yes. that's why I put the over under. Do you think John is positive or negative? This, Jack's got five bucks on positive. You know, I I. Uh, I'll go uh, five bucks on negative. Yeah, okay. I, I would Chris. tend to agree with you, Sherry. Yeah. He's too damn ornery. COVID's afraid. <laughs> COVID fears a man like John Curley. Okay, I'll be the. So, I'll coordinate this with with Jack Sherry. So okay, we'll, that's we'll great. Out, that, yeah. That's great. I'm, so somebody's I'm, getting I'm, five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's getting five bucks here, Sherry. Yeah, I, I want a negative to make it interesting. Yeah. So yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. And then when you hear me be all supportive with John, come on, John. It's oh, I'm so glad you don't have COVID. Where's my five bucks? Where's my five bucks? Where's my five bucks? Yeah. Well, uh, John, if you're out there, if you're listening, we are with you. We want to talk you through this, and please don't be afraid. Uh, it only hurts for a minute when you stick the thing up your nose. Other than oh. that, it's not a problem. He texted to say, I'm asleep, period, <laughs> fever. So, um, you know, yeah, if he feels better later in the show, we'll, we'll hear from him. Hey, but that, you, that might you, be the end of that. You take care of you, brother. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. yeah he, did, he did sound sick this morning. Okay. I, I know he's yeah, not yeah. feeling well. So, okay, well, well, we'll certainly hope that maybe later in the show, if he gets up and feels up to it, then we can, uh, we can carry on with, with the test. I don't blame the guy for not wanting to drive a Q-tip into his brain because that test is horrible, <laughs> horrible. I I have experienced so I, everything. I've experienced everything short of childbirth. I think in the way of pain, and the COVID test really is one of the most excruciating and painful things I've ever been through. <laughs> Spike, are you kidding? No, it's really. You mean when you give it to yourself or when they do it somewhere? When uh, when someone else gives it to oh, you. Oh, okay. And I, say, I haven't I, had that done. I say this okay. when I had my heart attack in 2020. In, in June of 2020, when everybody was at the height of, of not knowing what we were dealing with in the way of the pandemic, I went to a local hospital and they had to give me a COVID test. While they're, while they're strapping me to a board and rolling me into the operating room to get uh, my heart procedure, and I swear I had a nosebleed for three days. Because they, when, they wow. went, when they went and found that COVID, they did take about 14 IQ points off my brain. Oh, boy. I was going to say, because the, the one at home, you know, and, and I'm probably cheating because I don't really, you know, go no, 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 do no, it you, very you got, aggressively. It's, it's, it's the amount of circles you do now. It's like it's like it's like um, Mary Poppins stirring her tea. You know, nowadays you don't have to go deep. You just have to go around and around and around and around and around to get a nice sample for your home COVID test. They went all the way in. Oh. 
I mean, literally, they broke they broke my nasal membrane trying to get my COVID test. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. that's oh, horrible! Yeah. Oh, yeah, you must have some PTSD over that. Like, like you don't want anybody die. going near your Let yeah. Me die! Ouch! It was horrible. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear yeah, that. That's, so if John doesn't want to take the test, I fully understand. Well, he's got a home test, so I think it'll be a little Good. less uh, abrasive. Good. Good. But um, maybe it would have been better if you were wearing a helmet. What do you think? <laughs> Everything in my life has been better when I had a helmet on. Well, that's what's kind of coming up right now is, you know, bike helmets last year. They were taken off the list of things we're going yeah. to patrol and police and ticket and all of that stuff. So King County repealed their mandatory helmet law. And they observed about 2,000 people at 50 locations to see who was wearing a helmet. I mean, it's, are your tax dollars at work I was here? about to say, well <laughs> spent, King County, well spent. Right. Leave the graffiti. Just tell yeah. me who's got their nugget yeah. covered. Having no more problems in King County, they right. decided they would send out people to observe exactly. uh, these 2,000 people. What they found was 91% of them were wearing a helmet when they were riding a bicycle. Now, where they, so in other words, the, the, the mandatory helmet law really didn't have much impact on people that were riding bicycles. Right. They, Even when they didn't normally, have to, they still decided to do the smart thing. That's right. But if you had rented a scooter, it was only seven out of 74. If you rented a bike, it was 30 out of 68. So right now, they're trying to encourage people to, if you're going to rent a scooter or a bicycle, you need to have a helmet. Or maybe they're saying, you know, maybe we should encourage the companies that rent these things to provide helmets. I, I couldn't agree more. Have you, have you seen the scooter crazy population trucking around this city? Or, Sherry, I'm not sure if your community has a rental bike and scooter program Oh, going. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're out of their minds. They think they're seven again. They think they're nine, ten-year-old kids. And they zip along sidewalks, and they zip along roadways, and they zip along, you know, the bike paths that the city has been generous enough to provide. But none of them have helmets on. And I don't know if you know how scooters work, people. There's a wheel on the front and a wheel on the back. And when something stops that wheel on the front, like, oh, I don't know, a stone in the street, you are launching and and what was it seven, seven percent had helmets on for scooter use. Seven out of seventy-four. I don't. Oh, it's temper- about ten percent. About ten percent. Okay. Little than ten percent. Nine point six five percent. To be honest with you, I'm, I've got that kind of mind. Well, these scooters, I know in Paris, they're thinking of eliminating them entirely really? because they become such a nuisance. You know, people leave them everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens where we live is that t- people will just you're not supposed to ride them on the sidewalks. So people will just kind of park them anywhere. Yeah. And then we're walking around them all the time when we walk the dogs and everything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that. What they're saying in the Seattle Times is that 30 years ago when these helmet laws came out, they weren't the norm. Everybody really wasn't wearing a helmet. But now because people understand how important it is and people are riding more bikes and doing, you know, things that require helmets more, that it's just become, you know, part, part of the norm. So, um, I think all you gotta also- do is listen to Troy Aikman call one football game and you realize how important it is to keep a helmet on. Yeah. And to protect your brain. <laughs> Well, they're saying now that, you know, it's in part not, it's not just the helmets. They want streets to be designed, to be designed to be safer for bicyclists. Mm. And of course, that's important as well. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's really pretty impressive that 
so much of the population knows better and is adhering to the, not a helmet law, but to the safety standards that a helmet provides. I mean, listen, having been married to someone who suffered a a traumatic brain injury, (sighs) it is not something you would wish on anybody. It is horrible. Yeah, he got hit by a car and it was, it's horrible. And it, the, the effects are still there. So I would, I mean, I want to wear a helmet, you know, coming up and down the steps. So I just, <laughs> when you're lifting your chairlift at home, yeah, I, you've got I mean, a helmet no, on. Just, just, just me no, I walking in I general. Yeah. I, I've, I've ridden a motorcycle for about uh, 25 years now. I've, I've owned a motorcycle. And I, when I travel, you go to places like the Southwest or you go to Texas or the, or, you know, Sturgis in South Dakota and you see folks that ride without helmets and I, it's, I can't do it. I tried once that we were, we were vacationing in Hawaii, um, as a family and I rented a Harley Davidson for the, for the a weekend, part of our trip. And you can ride with no helmet here, bro. And I got out in the, I got out there and I could feel the sun on my head and I got about, I don't know, a mile, two miles down the roadway. And I just did not, I could not feel comfortable. I could not feel safe. I went back and got a helmet. I I just there's no there's no sense of freedom or the wind in your hair worth losing it all with even the smallest of mishaps. You know, the, the, the helmets save lives. Yeah, I don't I don't have any interest. I, I don't even like convertibles. I don't even want to ride in a convertible because it's Seriously? too much exposure. I just I, I I can't imagine. I've never ridden on a motorcycle. Really? Um, never. Uh-uh. Too well, afraid. Next time you come to town, I got an extra bucket. We'll take you out. <laughs> take you out for taco night. It's great. Okay. Tuesday, yeah. But, uh, but right. I'm, I'm worried about the people who are on scooters and bikes in this town that they rent. I don't know how these companies are allowed to put these things on the roadway without providing helmets. And I know it's a logistical nightmare, you know, because the, the scooters are, like you said, Sherry, they're left everywhere. You walk up on it, you scan your scan a code with your phone, it unlocks the scooter, you pay with a card, and you're free to go, right? It's not like there's a checkout stand, like you're renting a, a surfboard at the beach or something like that. Not to mention the fact the last time somebody rode on a scooter or a, an electric bike or whatever was never. So right. these people Seriously. are inexperienced. Oh, this is so and, fun. You know, and that, yeah. And, and I mean, I remember, you know, being in DC and seeing the, and DC is, is not, uh, a traffic area for the faint of heart. It's all circles. It's all, it's, you know, one way streets and everything. It's, you, you really need to know where you're going Plus in order the fact to navigate. Everybody driving is looking at some beautiful monument. Oh. Oh, right. Or something. And these people are, you know, and they're tourists and they don't know where they are. And, you know, they're all having this family fun. And you think, what are you doing? God, do this on a country road. Don't do it in the middle of yeah, D.C. Seriously. Are you nuts? I, I think they should they should be required to have a helmet connected to the bike or the scooter. And I know that's another logistical nightmare. I think, you know how the bank has a pen, but there's a chain on it. So you can't steal their sure. pen. Maybe you have a helmet that has a chain connected to it. So it's connected. It'd be a to, long chain. It, well, well, connected <laughs> to the scooter. It's connected okay. to the bike, right? You can put it on. But so, I, I just can't. I can't fathom. I, I would never take my own life into my own hands by to have a scooter under my feet cruising the sidewalk or bike lanes of Seattle without something on my head. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. It's not. The, there's no thrill Seattle can provide me that is worth that risk. I'm with you. Okay. the John Curley and Sherry Elliker show. Uh, and I, I hate to even f- to 
venture to guess that I could call Sherry Elker my work wife. Oh. I, 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 you know, for me, it's Matt Butler at night, and it's just a broken relationship. I don't, I don't want to go into it. It's still too painful. Uh, but work wives are, that's a part of the American work culture. And Sherry, I know you work from home, and, uh, and that's doing part to the pandemic. And geographically, you know, it's, is it tough to not have the camaraderie of a work environment to do what we do? It is. And I didn't think it would be. I was really excited about the idea that I could be independent and I wouldn't have to worry about office politics or, you know, I've worked in radio stations most of my career. So it's, you know, the egos and all these other things. You can kind of avoid all that. You're just doing your own thing. You got space to, to spread out and do your research and all that stuff. But I have to tell you, it is really lonely. It is very isolating. And there's an article in the Wall Street Journal talking about the benefit of having a work spouse. And that can be a same-sex spouse. It's used the metaf- They use the metaphor of a marriage to show that it's this person that should understand you or can understand you fully. They understand what the, you know, you're, you spend many, many hours, especially you, Spike, doing 17 shows a day um, <laughs> in the office. So it's hard when you go home. Your wife doesn't, you know, may not uh, completely understand the, the business or the grasp all the, you know, all the things that go on. But your work wife or your work, work husband um, understands that. And that's a huge part of your life. And it keeps people in jobs often longer than they want to be because they don't want to break up with them. Well, you've got you've got what I like to call shared trauma with your coworkers, True. and yep. it's and I, and I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form about the Cairo newsroom. But I think we've all had moments where management doesn't get it, or the owner is a bit of a pain in the rear end, and you guys go through it together as a work crew, whether it's one person or the entire team. And that's a, like you said, that's a bond that your spouse just doesn't. It's not that they're unwilling to understand; they just don't have the shared experience. And when people don't have that because of, and folks are coming back to work now, but they're coming back in different, a different person than they were when everybody went home in March of 2020, when COVID shut everything down, closed offices, whatever environment you're in. I mean, some jobs worked through. Thank thank goodness some of them did. But a lot of us are coming back to work on a part-time basis. We're a hybrid position where we're home half the time, here half the time, or not here at all. We're still hybrid. And when you come back, it's not the same work spouse that you that you missed. No, it, there is a, a a little bit of a readjustment period, right? Where you're where you're trying to get back in sync of you know what the relationship was like. When I worked um, for the prison system, um, I had uh, someone that worked in my department that worked for me, but she became. I mean, I was as close to her as I was to any friend, anything. We didn't socialize outside of the office, but in the office, I mean, she saved my life. And I think I did for her many times when I didn't know what I was going to do or, you know, she would be, she had three kids and there was always, you know, a little bit of drama here and there. And I was always willing to, you know, take the time to listen to whatever it was she was going through or, you know, talk to her. And that relationship was incredibly valuable to me. And I do miss that. I've always had sort of like a work BFF wherever I work, you know, someone that you can, you can rely on and that you can, you can hang out with and roll your eyes with. And, um, it is when you don't have that, it's, it's a little, it's when everybody's remote, it's hard to make a, a, a very, um, 
intimate, if you will, connection with somebody. Yeah, it's a meaningful, if nothing else, connection. Yes, Absolutely. there you go. We're lucky, though, in what we do, because imagine if we had the kind of job, and I, I can't, I tried for a while, where you're in a cubicle or an office by yourself and you're making phone calls or you're filing reports or you're filling out, you know, uh, schedules for commercial logs for I was selling television advertising for about a year and, and there wasn't the interaction. I mean, you still saw people in the hallways and that was wonderful and you got to go to lunch with folks and that was great. And, and, and you worked on projects together, all the camaraderie and the team building things. And the person who's just a little bit off, a little bit, a little bit weird. You know, it's nice to have them too, comic relief or whatnot. But what we do here, we we get to do our job in the pres- in the in the format of camaraderie. So oh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Of course. I mean that that's 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 you know, the nature when, of what we're doing. It is, and it you you have to rely on each other, and you have to be um, have your game face on all the time. You know, you can't uh, have really a. A bad day. I mean, you can't hide in your cubicle and just oh, phone it in, or or, hadn't or, of that. or do what this young woman thinks we should do is called bare minimum Mondays. You've heard about quiet quitting. You've heard about uh, now. There's something called be done at 2 p.m. Fridays. What? But she, yes, but she has created something. It's a TikTok sensation. Two million views on TikTok, and she calls it a burnout prevention strategy. I think we have her assessment of this. Here's how you can do bare minimum Monday if you have a more traditional job. I totally get this. I used to have the same boss. The very first thing you want to do is remove any wishful thinking tasks from your list. Tuesday you can overachieve. Once you've condensed your to-do list as much as possible, the rest of your bare minimum Monday actually happens in your brain. The reason I began this in the first place is because I was putting so much pressure on myself that it was hard for me to do anything. One thing I know would have helped me when I was in corporate is to think to myself, where might I be putting unnecessary pressure on myself? Like, what are you overly stressed about that you just don't need to be stressed about? What can you choose to not care about today, knowing that it actually won't make a difference? Where can you choose to be a little bit nicer to yourself today? Where can you cut yourself some slack? That is where most of the bare minimum Monday work comes in. It's not actually about your schedule. Jacob, did you edit it down so she didn't take a breath, or is that how she speaks? That's a pretty common TikTok thing. It's Holy very truncated. Cow. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt to listen to. Okay, are you buying this, Spike? Sure. This young woman. Yeah, mail it in Mondays. I don't care about yeah. my job. Sure. Never get uh, pro- mean, never get promoted Tuesdays. Zero uh, chance of advancement Wednesdays. Yeah, I'm buying in the whole nine yards. What is it about the the Gen Zers? What do they have against work? I mean, they are trying to mm. wiggle out, skirt around, do anything to not work. Um, and, you know, and they feel as though when they have expectations of themselves, I shouldn't say all of them, this young lady, she said she was a perfectionist. She put too much, you know, demand, too many yeah. demands on herself. Yeah. Okay. What's that's called actually being ambitious. That's called <laughs> going the extra mile. That's yeah. called wanting to further your career. Climbing but she's the ladder. Saying, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, give yourself a break on Monday. Don't do anything extra. I was feeling so much pressure of what? Having a job? <laughs> So I know I, I, I'm with you. It, I, like I said, right out of the gate, you know, mail it in Mondays, never advance Tuesdays, forget about a promotion Wednesdays. It seems like it's a, it's a it's a recipe for being stuck in a job that you're never going to outgrow. I mean, advancement comes through your learning new skills, pr- mastering your 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 skill sets, and moving on to something a bigger challenge. If you're mailing it in, if you're doing minimal Mondays, you're never going to outgrow the job you're in. What are you saving yourself for? 25 years of this job? 
I don't, I don't think that's what, I, I think they don't care. I think that what they're trying to do is they say, you know, this is the thing about, uh, uh, Gen Z is that they believe that we've got it wrong, that the work-life mm. balance is so off in this country that they're going to reinvent that. And they're actually doing it effectively. They really are. And they're saying, look, you know, we put too much emphasis on working, 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 working. That's not what this should be about. That's why they don't necessarily want the responsibility of owning a home or children or things like that, because they want to be able to explore and experience life. I don't know if I'm just bitter or jealous I mean, I don't know if it's that like <laughs> well, in my heart, I think, hey, you know, they're kind of right here. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's, it, it, you know, it's it's the antithesis of what I did. So I'm of course, I'm going to get defensive about it and be like, no, no, you can't do that. You've got to work seven days a week. I mean, and so but they're I, I got to give them credit. They they have a point. It seems a little selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's but but like you just said, too, how many people regret you know, giving it their all for their boss for 30 some 40 years and at the end of which you get nothing more than you actually had to fight for. I mean, th- these guys are putting, I guess, quality of life ahead of mm-hmm. career advancement. And, and maybe they do have it right. Maybe we have had it backwards. But but in a world where housing has never been more expensive and the cost of living goes up on a daily basis, I think you got to if you don't fight your way to the top, you're going to be squashed in the middle. <laughs> I don't know. I, what do I know? I'm just here for the 19th straight hour. I don't know nothing about work. I don't know. And, you know don't look may, at me. May, I'm definitely, it's not minimal Mondays. It's maximum Mondays for me, folks. Yes, and I apologize to the whole city of Seattle. I was expecting John Curley to be here. He's feeling under the weather. I promise he'll be back as soon as he's physically able. Welcome back to the John Curley Sherry Elker Show. I'm Spike O'Neill sitting in for John Curley today. And Sherry, if you would uh, take the lead on this next story, I'll be able to protect what little dignity I have. Okay, so uh, if you're planning on taking some, let's say, racy photos, uh, don't do it in Singapore. So Singapore is a little bit of a contradiction because they have prostitution. It's um, in certain districts. It's regulated. Um, but they they have very strict restrictions on nudity and things in in photos. So a couple went there. They're from Vietnam. They shot a video, um, and it involved uh, a. It was a husband and wife, and the wife went outside, and nobody was watching. Nobody was, you know, it, it, uh, there was no audience, live audience. But she slowly, sort of undressed or disrobed in front of the camera. They uploaded this video to um, a private chat site or like a group. Um, you know, okay, chat well, yeah, thing. private group. Yep, and um, for that was devoted to things like sex and partner swapping and things like oh. that. Well, it ended up becoming very popular, and it went, found its way to the internet. And then the authorities in Singapore saw it, it recognized the people, or recognized the video, recognized the people, and they fined them seventeen thousand dollars. And, and and they're not the ones who shared it on social media, right? It was somebody in their private group. Oh yeah, they they had wow. no interest in in having this become public, but they've got some very very strict laws. For instance, in two thousand nine, Singapore also fined a man nineteen hundred dollars for being naked in his own apartment, and they 
felt that he was in clear view. Other neighbors could see him. And so it was, I, I guess, a form of public nudity a little bit. Wow. So they find him too. So yeah, it's, it's something that they're trying to, to fight a little bit. Um, uh, some of the people, the sex workers and other people are saying, this is ridiculous. You know, we live in a modern society. We should be able to do this. Two consenting adults should be able to do what they want and share what they want. When this couple from Vietnam went to court, um, the, the, the judge basically said it was irrelevant. It was irrelevant what the platform was. Um, that even if it were, even if we're consenting parties, it doesn't matter. Um, that you just, you know, you, you can't do that there. The greater and this good. Cup, yeah. And this comp, this couple, uh, couldn't afford the $17,000. They went back to Vietnam. They sold everything. And now the wife is pregnant and they're, he, he's trying to get a job. I mean, it's a little bit of a, of a sad story. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I had no idea. I didn't think that Singapore would be, um, prudish. So prudish. Yeah. yeah. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about the far East. Is that, how do I, I'm trying to find the right way to, I can't even, I don't even know what to call the place without offending someone, let alone what I could put on the internet there. You know I mean? It's not the Orient anymore. That's long gone, right? I can't say that anymore. So uh, I don't know about content. And if these guys, it just seems odd to me that they didn't share it publicly. It was shared without their permission publicly. But I guess the greater good, the keeping the Singaporeans safe from such exposure to the photos of ill repute was more important than this couple's, you know, lack of responsibility for getting out of the Internet. Well, it says here that Singapore has long imposed numerous restrictions on behavior and expression in pursuit of conservative views of morality, as well as an enviable public safety record. So they might feel that those two things are connected, that the morality of a country leads to or the higher, if, if you know, depending on how you feel about it, that this equates to higher morals. You know, if you don't participate in these things, and therefore it will be a safer, safer country for everyone. Well, we're kind of the exact example of the opposite, so maybe they got a point there. Yeah, uh, just uh, although don't the, guy, try the, the guy who gets fined nineteen hundred bucks because people can see in his window, how's he ever going to afford drapes? <laughs> right, right. That seems to be like self defeating the whole purpose. Anyway, I if I go to if I go to Singapore, I promise you, I'm leaving my phone in the in my hotel room. I'm not taking pictures of well that's no <laughs> no because I guess I can get in trouble in your hotel room too apparently. Uh yes. Sherry, thank you for covering that. I'm st- uh-huh. obviously I'm uncomfortable with the whole image and idea of public nudity. And if you ever saw me you'd understand <laughs> uh, why. Well, no, I I would be a little bit more worried about you if you were completely comfortable with the idea of public nudity. <laughs> thank so you. I think you're in the right the right ballpark there. Well, it's only because of the station in my life. There was a time when our show broadcast live from a nudist colony every summer. I swear it was called Nude Stock. We had 2,000 naked listeners with us. The pictures are still on the internet to this day.